Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisted Cape. Some of you know me because, Candy Girl, you are my world. You look so sweet, you're a special treat. But, regardless of how you know me, you know that I love comics, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mike's Big Stack. Oh hell yeah, my thickies! Welcome to the show, everyone. Recording this week at Thickness National Park. Uh, up front, I just want to make sure that you guys hit up the rules for Mike's Thick Stack Attack at thetwistedcape.com so you can get a shot at this Deadpool Super Mega Prize. It's gonna be real cool. Up front, here come your shoutouts for this week. Florida Heavy in both St. Petersburg and Clearwaters. Go Phillies! All good in the two one five. What's good, Philly? Welcome to our listeners in Athens. Thanks for listening, Dallas. And last but not least, thanks, West Bloomfield, for checking out the show. As always, we start by rating the thickness of my stack, so drop it like it's hot while we check out Mike's Thickometer. Oh, yeah, Mike's Thickometer. Thick like my glutes after leg day, this week clocks in at a 6 out of 10 on Mike's Thickometer. This is the type of thickness you have fun with, and its size isn't indicative of its quality. This week, this stack is a little heavier on the Marvel side, just so you know. Also, I feel like some of the panels, largely from the Marvel books, will be featured in a future panel segment on our weekly live show. This week, we begin with the DC books. Up front, we have Batman number 97. I gave this a 3 out of 5. Continuing with the Joker War story, this issue starts with us getting some vague hints about Joker's plan to use a new Joker toxin. We discover the presence of someone called Clown Killer who's been disrupting Joker's ops and making Punchline real mad. Meanwhile, Batman takes on a room full of nanotech-powered zombies and eventually shuts them down with an EMP as he talks to Joker and Alfred simultaneously. This leads to a badass sequence where he blindfolds himself to get to the center of the room to trigger the EMP, basically saying that bats don't need to be able to see. He passes out in an alleyway and is recovered by Harley Quinn as we check back in with Joker and Punchline. Joker, who is weirdly ripped in these panels, is informed by Punchline. By the way, I love her freckles. That's just such a great design. Girls, you got freckles, especially across the nose and under the eyes. Oh, chef's kiss. Love it. So they, they, he gets informed by Punchline about Clown Killer, and he puts a hit out. Batman wakes up in a, in a Poison Ivy sanctuary with Harley, who gives him the cure uh, for this particular Joker serum that he's been, a uh, Joker toxin, rather, that he's been infected with. She warns him that this cure will make him trip balls, which makes him see Alpha again at the very end of the issue. This issue has pace and meaning again, but it feels like we should this should have come maybe two issues ago. So far, I'm down on what's supposed to be a big story here, but this issue contained some hope for me, especially the art. It's just fantastic, especially the character designs and the parts where there's hallucination because it's just so wild and trippy. Next, we have Justice League number 51. I gave this a three and a half out of five. This is already better than the totality of the last storyline by this one issue alone. This issue has a mysterious narrator, which we discover at the end of the issue. This issue centers around the League dealing with the thoughts and feelings they have around the effectiveness of what they do, choices they've made recently and further back, and it's all compounded by the Black Mercy. 
they try to fight and they all really get taken down and under its spell effectively by the end of the issue which is where we see the narrator Martha Wayne who has a gunshot wound and it looks quite grisly I like that you really get to see the Justice League get taken down like this and you really get to see them deal with the thoughts they experience after dealing with something big and heavy and the Black Mercy may do just that I'm really excited to see where this goes Next, uh, we have Nightwing number 73. I give this a 4 out of 5. This is my DC book of the week. It's another Joker War tie-in, and it includes a whole lot of Babs, which I personally love. This feels like a direct follow-up to the previous issues of both Batgirl and Nightwing. For the first time, we see exactly how Joker has reprogrammed Dick, and it's not pretty. They make Nightwing and Batgirl fight, and Babs shows off her resourcefulness in combat, and her desire to really help Dick break out of his brainwashing. Punchline tries to get help as part of a trap as Batgirl escapes, and Nightwing, a.k.a. Dicky Boy, Joker is just giving him a nickname, uh, it's awful, gives chase, but is redirected by Joker. Red Hood and Drake show up, and Dick says that Babs has been brainwashed and is going to kill people inside of the Alfred Pennyworth Children's Hospital. And that's where it ends. It's a big old trap. I like this as a tie-in, but I just hope that at the end of this story, we get Dick Grayson back. He's arguably one of my favorite DC characters, and not having him properly for almost the last 20 issues has been a small frustration for me, despite the fact that the book has been so consistently good. All right, next up, we have Teen Titans number 44. I gave this a 3.5 out of 5. This issue was really about Robin being hunted by, well, everyone. Teen Titans are after him. Uh, Deathstroke, who definitely isn't dead, is after him uh, on behalf of Hive, and Batman is after him. The Titans stop him from killing KG Beast, start to fight him, and he disappears then. Batman tracks him to the prison where he's, he was holding a bunch of these villains and then begins to track Damien. Hive, which is now being funded by Black Mask, hires Deathstroke, and the Teen Titans try to track him, but then they find him waiting outside their HQ for him. They start to fight, but then that fight gets broken up by Batman, who tells the Teen Titans that they're done. I've long enjoyed this book, especially because how it tracked Damien as the central character, which is, I think, how Teen Titans should work. It should center on the Robin and the team that he builds around them. His struggle between the Bat family and the League of Assassins' ways of life have always really been just interesting to me. The messed up thing is, I agree with his philosophy as the book has developed. I mean, you got to take care of the problem, right? Maybe? I don't know. I also love the pacing of the book. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it reads very quickly and easily. Finally here, we have Wonder Woman Annual Number 4. Uh, I gave this a 3 out of 5. The main Wonder Woman book has been building up to something with the Dark Fates for a while, and now I'm curious how that'll change as the book develops because it gets addressed in this book. First of all, can we talk about how the book opens up with Diana surfing on, a, on the back of a massive shark? That's what she does to relax? That's absolutely crazy, and it looks awesome. Just just absolutely wild. So Diana then goes to investigate an energy field around a city that's just appeared in Brazil. The cool thing about this story is that eventually it unites a couple of factions. Hippolyta and the Amazons of Themyscira and Atalanta of the of the Bana Migdal. The meat of this book is really Diana standing by herself against the forces of the Dark Fates, largely successfully. She does get 
taken down a little bit. And when she does, the citizens of the city grab the lasso of truth, reclaiming themselves, and it's been tethering Diana to the outside world. And they let her know that she's not alone, and it inspires her. After this, she takes down the Dark Fates, and as the heroes reconvene, it's revealed that there is a third tribe of Amazons who needs to be found. I like the story, but it's kind of basic for the length that the story was. It was just longer than I expected. I guess I expected more in terms of content and risks, especially with an annual. They usually get a little more wonky with the storytelling, and they take some real risks with the storytelling. Okay, that's it for DC for this week. After a quick message from a familiar friend, we will get back with the Marvel books. Hey guys, this is Jesse at the Twisted Cape. We just wanted to take a moment to thank all of you amazing listeners of both the Twistcast and Mike's Thick Stack for your support over all these years. Just a friendly reminder to subscribe to our shows on your favorite podcasting platform because we're everywhere. Also, don't forget to like and rate the Twistcast wherever you listen. We do love our five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Don't forget to tell us what you like about the show in your review as well. And now, back to the show. Oh, yeah, we're back. Thank you, Jesse, for that. Appreciate you, bro. All right, jumping into the Marvel books. This is There's a little bit more here, so be prepared for a longer back end of the show. Starting with Avengers number 35, I gave this a 4 out of 5. It's easily mo- my most anticipated book of the week. Admittedly, there were some incredible and badass moments, but I'm a little disappointed in this book because I wanted far more Moon Knight than I actually got. There's a ton of Khonshu and his motivations behind what he's been doing. He's been disrespected by the other gods, going back to the 1 million BC Avengers, which is a nice, cool little bit of flair in there. He also does a quite a bit of battle with Mephisto assassins over and over again. I really love that part of the book. He needs the other powers, though, to end things. Just give it a, a sense of finality. But he's becoming more and more desperate. As far as the Avengers, Blade, Captain America, and She-Hulk go after a train carrying dis- disciples of Khonshu and mummies. They win the battle, getting the disciples to bend the knee, as it were, and discover that Iron Fist, Doctor Strange, and Ghost Rider are all being kept in Sargophagi and start to explain what Moon Knight has really been up to. Iron Man and Captain Marvel spend the issue protecting the Starbrand baby, which is more fun than it sounds. There's a lots of really good comedy here. Trust me. Uh, and then the issue wraps with Black Panther ready to square off against Khonshu. It's a really good issue. Despite being narrated by Moon Knight, he, he's barely in the issue, which is a problem for me. Also, this issue mainly serves as exposition, but not in a bad way. I'm excited to see the rest of this story arc develop. I think there's only like two issues left here. Sliding over to Captain America number 22, I gave this a three and a half out of five. Off the top, there's no follow-up from the Red Skull underlying story in this issue. This issue is all essentially about Cap and Sharon. Sharon's story essentially bookends the issue. It starts with her talking to General Ross, who's supposed to be dead, which is why Cap has been on the run and in so much trouble, generally. He largely explains how he's not dead via realistic LMD, and that he was onto Alexa Lucan before being cut off on their video feed. Meanwhile, Cap and his team are battling it out with Selene and her mind-controlled minions. This battle seems to be going their way, but the story smartly gets told via hollow screens as we're getting some of Sharon Carter's story in the base. 
she actually talks to Agatha Harkness, who brings in Shuri, who had a really hard conversation with Sharon about asking for help. Cap becomes the only remaining fighter against Selene, and this is a really cool battle. We get a really great splash of Cap telling Selene to get up to continue the fight. Unfortunately, there are times where the Cap panels get a little wonky. Cap goes on the ropes and is saved by Sharon Carter in Iron Patriot armor, flanked by Shuri and Agatha at the end of the issue. The pacing of this book was nice, but as I alluded to earlier, the art sometimes does not fit stylistically. There are a few times where Cap's neck doesn't make any sense as being attached to the rest of his body, and like sometimes like it just doesn't match every other reference point on the page. It's a good book, but gets held back from being very good. Next up, we have Captain Marvel number 20. I give this a 4 out of 5. This is the most natural Empire tie-in, despite it not being directly an Empire book. This issue is about Teen Carol going to clear L'Oreal's name, her half-sister. The team starts out meeting L'Oreal, which provides a good deal of levity before going off to deal with what turns out to be fair, fairly serious fairly quickly. They go out to confront Wastrel and stop to share with Teddy that they've duplicated the Accuser's Hammer, and he does not react well, but he sends them on their way anyway. They fight Wastrel and his robots and disarm him in a badass, fun battle, gather the proof they need to clear L'Oreal's name and prepare him for the Emperor. Back on Earth, Kit... A child has been taken by the Kotati, and Marina, her mother, goes to Carol's house for help and comes across L'Oreal. She offers to help and then realizes that she's going to need some help from Carol and her friends when she comes across a Kotati stronghold in Brooklyn. The humor, action, and supporting cast make this book just an enchanting read. I genuinely look forward to this book when it releases, on the weeks that it releases. Next up, we have Empire X-Men number four. Uh, it's the final book in this series. I give it a three and a half out of five. Jonathan Hickman retakes the reins on this book to close out the, the Empire crossover. The book takes a look at the spell that Wanda used to resurrect the zombies on Genosha and how she worked to undo it with Doctor Strange, who is a real dick in this book, but I can't say that it's unjustified. The explosion of a battle with the Kotati happens a day before the spell runs out. Uh, there's a cool moment where Explody Boy talks to his resurrected self, which is kind of a cool twist. The zombie version then sacrifices himself to take out that zombie Katati hybrid monster. It also seems like Demon Ileana is poised to do something real gnarly to everyone, but the spell runs out, dispelling the zombies and her, her demon form. Perhaps the most significant thing to come out of this is Beast stealing tech from horticulture that may give the mutants who are having problems accessing the gates to Krakoa access to those gates. Again, this book isn't necessary to the event, but it's still fun, and it may be important because of the whole gate note. This book did have a lot of levity to it, which made it even more fun, and the art was nice as well, especially around the zombies, which is always fun. Next up, we have Spider-Woman number three. I gave this a three and a half out of five. This book picks up with Jessica doing her thing, keeping Michael Marchand and his daughter Rebecca safe. His HQ is stormed by troops, and one of his doctors turns on him for the stolen sample from last issue, uh, citing crippling student loan debt, which is just, just on the nose perfect. Spider-Woman clears the bad guys as they escape on a helicopter and then eventually make their way to a private plane. 
Jess has a heart-to-heart with Rebecca, and shortly thereafter gets into a dogfight with three planes that were chasing them, but is told mid-flight that they have no gas, so she has to crash land the plane. On the ground, these dinosaur-like creatures attack, and Jess springs into action. Surprisingly, so does Michael, and it's revealed that he has powers. Jess discovers that they're at Wondagore, leading to a massive reveal. Her mom is there. Turns out, Michael and Rebecca are very directly related to Jess. Michael is her brother, and Rebecca is her niece. I like how quickly this book read and the overall pace. I certainly was not expecting that reveal at the end, but the giveaway is that Michael exhibits powers very much like Jess's in the battle where they're fighting these dinos. I have to admit, her new costume really pops in the action sequences, which is a testament to her redesign. I do miss her classic costume, but I realize how it can be impractical for stealth operations as she tends to get into. Couple books left here. Next we have Thor number six. I give this a four and a half out of five. Hands down my Marvel book of the week. This issue starts with a flash forward to, I guess, what's now of Thor talking to Silver Surfer, who's still covered in black. If you've been uh, rolling with us for a little bit, we talked about Silver Surfer Black a few episodes ago. Go back and check that out if you want. So yeah, Thor's talking to Silver Surfer uh, about some changes around Asgard and curiosity about what's happened against the Black Winter. He he makes a note about how the reverberations from the battle could be felt and heard throughout space. So we go back to the battle and Oh my. <laughs> Give you a little Georgia Decay. Oh my. Thor and Galactus are supposed to face down the Black Winter, but Thor strikes at Galactus. He steals Galactus's power cosmic and unleashes its, its fury mixed with his all-father powers on Galactus for all the death he's caused. And then, here's the kicker, he kills Galactus. This was an incredible double splash page. He then detonates Galactus' body, wiping out the Black Winter. And before the Black Winter goes away, it offers to show Thor how he dies, which he then sees. Back in Galactus' helmet on Asgard, which is one of the changes that Silver Surfer has noted, Surfer asks Thor what he saw. As Thor has been kind of brooding and drinking in abundance. Then we see what Thor saw. And this is an, another awesome double splash page. Thanos holding an Infinity Gem tricked out Mjolnir in one hand, the all-black in the other, and he's flanked by zombies of every Marvel hero possible. This book has been on a different level. I get why some people might not be interested in Thor, but it's one of the best books possible over the last five years or so, despite the change in writer. Highly recommend that you go back and grab this series. I'm thinking it ties a lot into... Uh, a lot of Donnie Cates' work, so I'll go back into that and maybe drop some bonus episodes for you there later on. All right, next up, we have Valkyrie, number 10. I gave this a 4 out of 5. So, Tyr has Thor under his control and has attacked Asgard. Tyr also has Jane's all-weapon and is using it in his assault as well as the Rakva. I hope I'm saying that right. I don't speak Nordish. Uh... <laughs> Jean is essentially in withdrawal from no longer having the all-weapon, but she's still valiant nonetheless. Jean, Fullstag, and Thori join the battle for Asgard, and it doesn't seem like it's going well. 
Jane valiantly faces off against Tyr, and as that battle changes in Tyr's favor, he stabs Jane with the all-weapon, which allows her to reclaim it. Jane then takes the Rockva and seals it away in the mountains of Jotunheim, where it belongs, but it definitely piques Loki's interest. It's revealed at the end of the issue, this is the final issue of the series, which is a hell of a send-off. So much Asgardian lore, and Jason Aaron loves the character clearly. Thankfully, she'll be back in December, and we'll see what he has up his trickiest sleeve for her then. But this issue is just awesome. Great set pieces, lots of drama, fear that the character might actually die, and Jason Aaron keeps finding ways to write Thor and even more. I did enjoy this run of the book, and I look forward to seeing what's in store in the future. Final book here, Wolverine number 4. Gave this a 3.5 out of 5. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Wolverine rolls into a bar. Well, that's kind of the premise of this issue, but it takes quite the turn. In the intro, there's some fallout from the previous story arc, which holds some comedy gold. I'll make sure I share those panels in a, in a Wednesday live show. Trust me, you don't want to miss those. Especially the bit about Magneto. Logan leaves Krakoa to go to his favorite little hole-in-the-wall bar in Canada. The people in the bar secretly hate mutants and have been looking for a way to kill-slash-not-kill Wolverine by freezing him in the lake outside, so that way he kind of drowns and then freezes and then can't get free. He's drugged twice in this issue, and as they go to drown him, they're, they're ambushed by Omega Red, who Logan tries to warn them about. Omega Red, likely at the behest of his master, Dracula, continues to drown Wolverine as the issue ends. I love how this story develops in its dark, unsettling tone. The Greg Capullo-like art is great as well and really fits this issue. Now, I'm curious. Is Omega Red just seeking revenge on Wolverine? Or is he just a pawn for Dracula, who maybe has some beef to cook? I don't know, but I'm intrigued for the next issue. Okie dokie, no interview this week, but there's likely an interview on the books for next week, so stay tuned. If you want to be on the show, hit me up on Twitter at SpiderMike29. Looking to next week, it's a big one indeed, if my sources are accurate. I'm looking forward to Batman 3 Jokers, number one. The Question, Deaths of Vic Sage, number four, hint, hint. And Batgirl, number 48. On the Marvel side... I'm looking forward to Amazing Spider-Man number 47, Daredevil Annual number 1, and X-Men number 11. So this is the second to last episode where the Mike's Thick Stack Attack Contest is live. So make sure you get your guesses in. Just it's, it's very close to being done. I haven't really gotten very many entries yet, but when we do, oh baby. Oh baby. So that's all the time we have for this week. Of course, make sure you subscribe to The Twisted Cape on your favorite podcast platform. We're at The Twisted Cape. No spaces on every social media platform. Facebook, The Gram, on Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure you tune to our weekly live show on Wednesdays on Facebook. We should get the link up on YouTube as well. Leave in them comments. We hit them during and at the end of every show. Finally, feel free to shoot us some detailed feedback on this show at thetwistedcape at gmail.com make sure you use the subject line MTS thank you so much for tuning in and until next time I need your love each and every day stay safe wear a mask stay twisted fix that